Welcome to Acquiring Minds, a podcast about buying businesses. My name is Will Smith. Acquiring an existing business is an awesome opportunity for many entrepreneurs. And on this podcast, I talk to the people who do it. My interview today is with Josh Paulson. Josh acquired a business that manufactures small pet cages. I know nothing about manufacturing, but you see manufacturing businesses for sale a lot. So I wanted to learn if someone like me, with no experience, could realistically buy a small manufacturing business. So we get into that. We also go deep on Josh's story. I'll just leave it at this. At some point in the interview, Josh says that acquiring this business saved his life. So it's been a long and hard road for Josh making the business what it is today, and in so doing, making himself what he is today. Check out this story with Josh Paulson. Josh Paulson, thank you for joining me today on Acquiring Minds. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the invite and uh, good to get to know you here. Josh, you are the owner of a, a manufacturing company for small pets and animals, very, a very niche business and not one that I, I know nothing about manufacturing. So it's, it's fun to talk to somebody who's not only in manufacturing, but in ma- manufacturing a product that's kind of unusual. Although I guess every product is pretty, pretty niche at this point. You acquired this business from your grandfather, and uh, and the way that all unfolded was was unusual. You didn't really set about on a search. Um, it kind of the opportunity presented itself. So we're gonna we're gonna cover all of that and bring from from your acquisition right up to today. Start us off, please, with two minutes on on your background, like what 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 was going on in your life before professionally that led you to this opportunity. Yeah. So, uh, man, never had any business experience or didn't know I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but did a lot of weird things, uh, to try and make money. So apparently that's what it led to. <laughs> um, I was a wrestler in high school, um, and some, some, a uh, little bit of college. Um, so I learned a lot about, uh, being obsessed about things through that. Um, and then, uh, outside of back outside of college, um, I was in food and beverage production, so mostly in uh, beer, wine, um, cheese. I did each of those for about two years, um, and then uh, was starting to, you know, that was all fermentation sciences. So I was like, "What's next?" And um, that was, you know, the next thing was like mushroom cultivation. So I started like growing mushrooms in parents' garage, uh, and what kind selling, of mushrooms? Selling them to uh, restaurants locally. Uh, culinary mostly, um, uh, like reishi, shiitake, lion's mane, all sorts of different stuff. It was, uh, it was an interesting project. It would, it's not a good business, but, uh, it's a very tough business, but <laughs> it was fun. Actually, it was really fun. So that was one of your entrepreneurial kind of projects and you'd had others before. So you had kind of a yeah. entrepreneurial leaning. Yeah. It started out trying to, trying to start a brewery. Um, by the time I got to where I was ready to do it, everybody was already doing it. So, uh, it became much harder and it's just super capital intensive growing mushrooms was something anybody can start at home. I mean, you can buy a DIY kit, build a little greenhouse tent with a humidifier and get, get going on it. So, um, super fun. I got to apply my fermentation science knowledge, uh, to that, um, didn't get anywhere with it, but, uh, yeah. Okay. So were you growing mushrooms when this opportunity came along? What, how, how did the, the cage manufacturing business enter your life? Uh, 
Yeah. So my grandfather, uh, was going through a lot of stuff. Um, he's having a lot of medical problems. Um, family was starting to, you know, uh, get, you know, his, his life, uh, managed under control. And I'd always known of, of quality cage. I'd never even, uh, been to it or honestly knew anything about it, uh, at all. Um, and I just had, you know, I wanted to start my own thing back then. I wasn't interested in, uh, acquiring anything. Um, you know, I actually passed up a lot of chances for growing into businesses that I worked at um, that I just didn't honestly realize because I was trying to start my own thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. I kind of wish I had a different viewpoint uh, going through those jobs and whatnot. Might have presented more opportunity, but and and so just drill down on that for a second. So your perspective back then was that you just always wanted to start your own thing, and so the opportunities you let you let go by were opportunities to buy into other businesses or just get more involved in the leadership of some of the businesses where you worked or what, what do you mean? And, and what, what did you do? Kind of, what do you regret um, not doing? Yeah, nothing. I mean, there was nothing concrete, but there was, you know, the businesses I was working at, they didn't have um, dedicated staff. Uh, they were always dealing with staffing issues. Um, you know, it could have been an awesome opportunity for me to step in as a leadership role. Um, and do some cool things and, and, you know, take on some more responsibility, help them grow and develop the business. Um, but my heart was set on, uh, doing my own thing. So didn't never, you, you, you know, about your grandfather's business, you've heard about it through the family or whatever. And so, so how does that then intersect with your life? Yeah. Um, to be honest back, uh, it was 25, 26. I was having a real hard time in, in life. Um, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, um, I had a lot of, uh, suicidal, uh, stuff going on, which is not my nature. Uh, I'm a super positive, super happy person. Um, but I was making a lot of bad choices and playing victim in a lot of ways. Um, I had been, I, when I was 25, I just got struck with all over body pain, uh, came out hmm. of nowhere, you know, through wrestling, I had a lot of injuries. So I, I think it kind of came from that, but, uh, ended up getting, you know, every test is negative with the doctors and just going through all of that stuff. Ended up getting addicted to painkillers and antidepressants ah. uh, through that process. And I was just, you know, kind of lost. Uh, started experimenting with other drugs, kind of being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is you're 25 or 26 at this point. And what year is this? Oh, gosh, that's probably... I'm 32 now. So seven years ago. So okay. uh, 2015. Yeah. yeah. Around that timeline. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, the, 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 the kind of leadings up to, to coming to quality cage was honestly, I, I, I had a, uh, uh, like a very suicidal moment that, um, it, re- it really, uh, changed my life and my, and my viewpoint. And it really brought me back to who I was as a kid. Um, you know, as a 10 year old, I wanted to do some really cool stuff. Uh, had a lot of big dreams and I kind of got this like third person view of what 10 year old me would look at in his future. And and he would see me at that moment. And, um, yeah, that, that honestly changed everything for me. Uh, that was a huge awakening of like 10 year old me would be absolutely terrified. Um, you know, this, that, that would be very disheartening and that would not, that that's not a good, I'm not being the good leader for 10 year old me, uh, right now. This is, uh, I need to make some changes. Um, it was a lot more dramatic than that at the time, to be honest. (laughs) It sounds pretty dramatic. Um, 
uh, now I look back, some of it's, some of it's kind of funny. It's very simple things that I was doing wrong and different, different simple mindsets, um, that I just, I kind of needed to rewire, but it was difficult at that time while, you know, addicted to drugs and, uh, yeah. you know, hanging out with the wrong people, stuff like that. So the, to, to that, I, I, my family was, you know, going back in and cleaning up my grandfather's assets, uh, and, um, like cleaning up his life. He lived over in Portland, Oregon at the time I'm in Boise, Idaho, um, didn't really have a, a much of a relationship with my grandfather, only fun stuff. Um, good, good memories. Uh, never really got to learn anything from him on the entrepreneurial side of things. Uh, but he was, so he was, had, had he passed away at this point? No, not mean? yet. He, I mean, he okay. has now, um, but not at the time of me going into quality cage and acquiring it. So, uh, basically, man, I, I, I got, a, I, at the time, I was pitching to investors to try and like really go at the mushroom thing. Uh, it, it was just a bad idea. Uh, I should have just been growing mushrooms and selling them versus trying to raise money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I, I I got out of an investor call at one point, and he was like, "Hey, go get six months running a business, and I'll invest in your in your mushroom idea." And so I, I literally walked out of that meeting, called my grandpa and parents, and was like, "Hey, I want to move over and." Uh, see if I can't restore this thing. Cause they were going to wind it down, shut it down. Nobody was interested in taking it over. And uh, had, yeah, had anybody brought it to you and said, Hey, do you want to run this? I mean, was, really. was this kind of your total idea to raise your hand and be like, Hey, don't shut it down. I want to run it. <laughs> Not really. Uh, it, it was, it was my choice. My parents don't try to like push anything on me ever. Uh, very thankful for them for like, let me live life and, and make my mistakes. But yeah, it was, it was honestly, I walked out of that meeting with that investor and I was like, I want this business. Like, I want to go do this. Um, my first goal was to just go in and run it for six months and see what I could do. Um, and then it ended but up- But it's still with the idea that you're just proving yourself to go back yeah. and raise, invest, raise investment for the mushroom venture. Yeah, for a good uh, 18 months, I was still stuck on the mushroom uh, business. Like I'm going back to that at some point. Uh, now, no, nah, not a chance. <laughs> Maybe okay, someday. So you, I don't know. <laughs> so you raise your hand, you say, I want to run this. And, and, and then what happens? Do you actually acquire the business from your grandfather or t- talk us through that? What happens? Yeah. So I had zero money, nothing. Uh, family's pretty, you know, very conservative, uh, very frugal with everything. Not a whole lot of money to throw around. Um, so I, I basically, I moved over to Portland, um, packed up, my lease was in, done in my apartment. Um, I packed up my four boxes of shit and moved over to Portland, honestly, in one weekend. Um, and then I had, you know, I had no money. The business didn't have any money in it. It was cash flowing, but not profitably. Um, and so I, I lived in the warehouse uh, for quite a while, actually. Um, and when I got there, I acted like I acquired it. Like I made a ton of changes. Um, I was just trying to, trying to get it flipped around and running smoothly. I was always like watching how it's made and watching the profit on TV. So, you know, I'm an expert. (laughs) You thought you you knew. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I know everything that I need to do. I've watched all these shows. Uh, Josh, give me a sense of the size (laughs) and scale of this business. So like, give me a sense of what revenue was, what, you know, how much, like how many products you were producing units how many employees there were like set this, give me a, a, a sense. Yeah. So the books were crazy. Um, and I had zero experience doing bookkeeping or accounting or knowing any of that whatsoever. So, um, 
I, you know, I remember the books were doing about a quarter million a year. There were seven employees. Everything was a, yeah, yeah. Uh, Everything was a freaking mess. Um, Processes are terrible. There's an ungodly amount of products that we manufacture. Um, Later discovered that prices are way too low. You know, the business didn't even know its cost of materials and its cost of production. um, Nothing of that. And it took me a very long time to figure all that stuff out. Seven (laughs) employees with only a quarter million dollars in sales. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Um, okay. Yeah, there was a lot of bad stuff going on in the business. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to uh, speak too much of that, um, uh, you know, as to what was going on, but it was uh, <laughs> it was a lot. Um, and there was a lot of bloat and a lot of waste. Um, I could definitely see that the business was not, you know, the business was 40 years old when I got to it. Uh, 42, I think. Uh, and it, it, it collected 42 years of waste. Um, that was just to me, like I, I I live out of four boxes, uh, and live in the office in this warehouse and it's a freaking mess. Um, I've always lived very simply and have very few things. And so it was honestly painful, um, with how much was there. Um, and it, it, it was a matter of just having to get rid of so much bloat. Uh, that was honestly the first two years. It was just getting rid of things. And and your grandfather had had was not the founder, correct? He no, acquired so, he acquired the business and was kind of absentee in it. Walk us through that. Yeah, so I I don't know the original owner. He was passed before I came to the business. Uh, my grandfather was the second owner. I believe he owned it for four or five years. Uh, he was a serial entrepreneur. Had a couple businesses, uh, mostly in the packaging industry um, in Portland. Um, which is funny. I ended up starting a packaging business later on and closed it down. In the last couple of years, it was a weird circle of life, I guess. Yeah. So had he been active in the business for those four or five years, roughly, that he owned it? or I had heard he was for the first six months to 12 months. Um, you know, he, he, he wasn't very right of mind when this, all, when, when, uh, when this all happened. So I didn't get to pick his brain about everything. Um, yeah. You know, he was proud of me for going at it. Uh, I remember getting those conversations and those were very meaningful, especially at those times when uh, I was going through everything I was going through. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, very little history of the business. There was a lot of history to it. I'm getting told a lot of different stories by a lot of different people and a lot of different customers. And some people had positive experiences with the management that was there before me. Some people had absolutely disastrous experiences. So um, it, it was a lot of noise. Uh, yeah. it was very hard to concentrate on just fixing and rebuilding the business. And, and there I am just trying to get six months experience. So I didn't have, I wasn't fully invested yet either. Yeah. Um, you were going home and making mushrooms. Probably yeah. Still. <laughs> but, and so your grandfather didn't, uh, he, he wasn't a hundred percent at this point. So yeah. he really wasn't kind of a resource for you. Usually the seller, is a, is a resource for the buyer and explains things to them. There's oftentimes there can be two weeks or two years of training. None of yeah. that. You just kind of came in and had to figure it all out pretty much on your own. It was a mess. Yeah. It sucked. <laughs> uh, yeah. basically I got there day one, I had to fire a good 75%. Well, five of the people who were there, um, one stuck with me about six months and then he just, you know, started being super shady. So he got, uh, fired. And then there was one guy who was, <laughs> A 75-year-old uh, uh, Vietnamese uh, man named Tin, 
who had been there for 25 years and he knew how to build everything, uh, knew how the entire business worked, but he spoke like very little English. So it was, uh, it was, <laughs> it was actually really fun. Uh, looking back, it was really fun. It was really frustrating at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, learning from him, learning how everything worked. And luckily there was one of every product sitting on the shelf. There's no drawings or anything, but I could, you know, reverse engineer things a little bit. I had a bunch of woodworking experience as a, you know, going through middle school, high school, and just kind of a tinkerer all around making things. And uh, yeah, so, you know, over time, I ended up learning everything over the next year from this, from this uh, 75 year old. Tin, yeah, he's awesome. Wait, wait, Josh. So, so you you get in there on uh, essentially on day one, and you let five of the of the seven employees go. Yeah, I never, I'd never even managed a person before this. It was, and was you crying, don't want to go into the details of what was of what was of, the, of what was going on. But reading between the lines, there was misbehavior by the employees. Yeah, and you and you knew this, and you just you just had to kind of rip the bandaid off and let everybody go, or let yeah, the, the and we didn't have money. You know, they were, they were running off of debt, uh, essentially. So my, my grandfather was uh, pulled into a bunch of debt um, and it was basically operating off of that money that he really didn't have. So, so he'd taken a loan, if there was a loan on the business, like a commercial loan, a bank loan of some kind or vendor loans or what? Yeah. I, I, you know, there, it was a line of credit basically that was being abused okay. by the previous management. Okay. So, yeah. So, so then, so you're down to two people, 10 and the other person, and then that, that other person doesn't work out after about six months. So then it's you and 10, 10, spe- 10 is, you know, <laughs> your one like anchor. He knows what's yeah. going on. In fact, in fact, he's a great resource, except for the small detail that his English is virtually non-existent. So you bring in a translator to yeah, help, a couple help times. you guys help download Tin's brain. Yeah. We actually communicated better without the translator. So, um, really, yeah, just this without words, wild. we kind of just learned <laughs> learn from each other. And, you know, he could write English um, decently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was just a lot of back and forth. We had some humor, humorous banter. And um, Is he with you today? No, he's not. No. Um, no, I wish. I wish he was, he was an awesome dude. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he was. I wish I was um, in a better place to, to uh, have, you know, financially to take care of him a little better than I was able to at the time. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, so there's 2,000 SKUs in this in this manufacturing business, and, yeah. and you have one of each. And so literally the shelves, I mean, in the warehouse, there's just one example of 2,000 different products, something like that? Yeah, there was a lot, dude. It was crazy. Uh, it was nuts. Um, everything was ran in QuickBooks, um, but there was no bill of materials built into QuickBooks. It was all guesstimation stuff, uh, really. Yeah. Um, it looks like the previous pricing had been done 10 years prior to that, probably, uh, which is pretty wild. Um, yeah. So, you know, it ended up, you know, it, it was, it was too much. And, and we, we, our main market right now is we serve chinchilla owners and then, you know, we do ferret, prairie dog, guinea pig. Each one of those customers is a completely different person. Um, you know, a rabbit owner and a chinchilla owner are two completely different people. Um, it's essentially a new business as far as a marketing sense and e-commerce mm-hmm. sense. So like you've got a whole different target market that is very unsimilar. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it was, I tried to, I tried to market to all of them. Um, there was one that was working really well. 
and one that was, you know, the majority of revenue in Quality Cage was rabbit, uh, rabbit product lines selling to rabbit breeders and whatnot. Um, but there was like chinchilla sitting over here, um, which was about 10, 10 to 15% of the revenue. And that was like growing without anything happening to it um, as far as the products there. And, and rabbit was kind of hard uh, to make a profit because, I mean, look at the pet market. I'm not going to like a hamster is five bucks. I can't go sell a $300 cage to a hamster owner. A chinchilla mm-hmm. is $300. So I can go and sell a $600 cage to a, a chinchilla owner. Ah, okay. um, you know, same thing with rabbit. You can go to the pet local pet store and buy a rabbit for 20, 25 bucks. Um, so, you know, I looked at what's our highest value and a, 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 it's got a decent market. Um, and chinchilla people are more passionate than all of them combined, <laughs> to be honest. They're awesome. Uh, so many memes related about, about, um, super fun social, uh, network, uh, around them, very close knit community. Um, I didn't even, I had to Google exactly what a chinchilla was. I knew it was (laughs) some cute, uh, cute rodent, but I couldn't actually visualize it. So, uh, Uh, yeah, I had no idea going into this business, what nine, like most of these animals were. (laughs) So, uh, especially chinchilla. Uh, now I have two, but, um, (laughs) they're super cool, easy pets. (laughs) <laughs> so Josh, you, you basically the, you were, you come in and you're one and two, you're getting rid of the bloat, cleaning up the business, this for, 40 years of bloat that the business has accumulated, getting rid of the shadiness, working with tin to understand how things work. And then you're, it sounds like one of your biggest, or maybe your first really big strategic decision was to simplify the product line. You went in there like Steve jobs returning to Apple where, you know, Apple's got all these products and he's like, no, we're just doing these core seven products or whatever it was. Yeah. And you kind of made, did, did a similar move in terms of we're going after the, the chinchilla market and only the chinchilla market and the rest of our SKUs, maybe we'll return to them at a later date, but for now we don't offer this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as slim, as simple as that. Um, and at all at the same time, trying to simplify the manufacturing that we do too. Um, there's a lot of just, you know, extra processes that weren't necessary in, in all, in all of that. And that's honestly probably the one of the, that was actually probably the most important thing, um, was simplifying those processes and systemizing them. Yeah. And you do the manufacturing in house. This is, is that yeah, right? Everything, um, everything we can to an extent. I love vertical integration. Um, I like to bring everything in-house. We've added, you know, a lot of things that outsourced five, six years ago, we now have brought in-house and we're doing it on our own, um, on demand, uh, powder coating, welding, um, CNC work, um, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. We've, we've brought everything in-house. There's one more, so one more product that we outsource that I'm going to be bringing in-house Q1 next year. Um, and that's honestly going to, be the most expensive, most difficult, but also the most upside uh, to it. So pretty excited about that, actually. Do you, do you want to say what that is? Not that I'll understand. Yeah. So we make our cages out of wire mesh. We uh, It's one inch by one inch rolls, 100 foot rolls of wire mesh. Mm-hmm. We unroll them, flatten them, cut them to size, flatten them again, um, nip off the edges, sand them down. And so each cage takes up you know anywhere from eight to 20 of these panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're to start making the panels in house out of out of bare mm-hmm. wire, essentially. Cool, cool. Yeah. So when not, you get into it, the business, it's not flashy or fancy or anything, but it'll uh, it'll help us improve our operations a lot. Yeah. 
So not only are you learning the business, which many many acquirers that I talk to, they they have to get in there and they have to learn the business, which is enough of a challenge. So you have to do that as well as clean up the business, but as well as learn manufacturing. You don't really know anything about manufacturing because you were a food and beverage guy prior. Yeah, I you know cheese was volume one product million pounds in a year. Um, it's doing the same thing, like a fourteen process step or 14 step process over and over and over and over again for months. Um, this is high mix, low volume. It's extremely difficult to manage. Um, it's tough. <laughs> it's very tough actually. Um, you know, cause we have uh, one product that we do four or 500 units a month of. We've got another product that is also necessary um, that we do 10 a month of. Um, but it's something, you know, we are trying to cover everything that the chinchilla could ever need. You know, that's what mm -hmm. we want to be is the one-stop shop for chinchilla owners. And then, so yeah, we're perfecting it in chinchilla and then we're going to start branching off and doing the same thing in those other markets. Um, at, at what point did you stop, let go of the mushroom dream? <laughs> um, about two years in, uh, well, I mean, I won't say that it was still sticking with me, but I had let go of it once I acquired the business, which was about eight months after I started working at the business. Um, I really didn't want to acquire it. Uh, and so then a couple of things happened that I just decided, you know what, uh, it's going to, let's do this. I actually chickened out of it last minute and was like, nope, stop the acquisition. Um, and then two weeks later was like, no, nah, let's do it. What, what were the things that, what were the things that happened? Yeah, there was, uh, it was weird. Uh, that was the first year at Quality Cage in Portland. And that was the year th that the National Rabbit uh, Convention uh, happened to be in Portland. Uh, very convenient. Uh, the rabbit competition, National Rabbit Competition is basically like the AKC dog shows you see on TV in rabbit world. Uh, mm -hmm. It moves around every, every location every year, but it just happened to be in Portland, which was crazy. Um, so a lot of the local rabbit breeders, uh, people, organizations were, were um, in charge of coordinating the show. They got us a spot for cheap, little tiny 10 by 10 booth. Everybody else, every other cage vendor had the big old, big old booths. So it was kind of crazy. But um, yeah, uh, long story short, there was this kid that was putzing around. He was uh, looking at our stuff in our booth and he was, he just looked super happy where everybody else is like in this manic state of everything's going crazy. They're stressed out. Um, and this kid was super happy. So I asked him what, what was going on. And, um, you know, he, we got to talking and he told me his, his story basically he comes from a super poor family. Um, mm -hmm. his grandma gave him some money to do something. He decided to start breeding rabbits, uh, over two years. He, he is now at this competition and he, he got like multiple first places, a couple third places. And he ended up selling a bunch of his rabbits for like 15 grand. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was like, just insanely cool. Um, this yeah. kid's like 16, 17, like what? That's cool. I wish I had that knack when I was, uh, that age. Uh, totally. that's super awesome. Cause I was just all over the place. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that kind of like changed my outlook on everything. I was like, dang, if that kid did that, then I would like, I would like to figure out some way to help other, other people, um, do that in the animal world. Um, yeah, uh, that, that, that kind of changed that, that was the kicker that made me want to purchase the business. Um, 
I, I saw a lot of potential in it too. Uh, and it's yeah. super fun. It's very challenging. Uh, and I love challenging things. Um, I, I get, I honestly, uh, am way more into the challenge than I am like profitability and the finance side of the business, stuff like that. You know, if we get a quote on a hundred thousand dollar machine, like let's figure out how to make it for 20, uh, on our <laughs> own. Uh, and you know, it, you're, we're never going to hit 20. It's probably gonna be 40 or 50, or maybe it doesn't even work, but you know, we learn through the process. It's fun. Uh, that's what I like doing. <laughs> but, but, but this moment with the kid really kind of, um, shifted your, your view on things to being like this, this, I want to do something that like to be part of this community, help this community, encourage other people like this kid, help other people like this kid. It just, you kind of, um, just vibed with the the culture of this ecosystem and wanted to be, wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. In a way I wanted to help that kid. Um, I want, you know, I would, I would invest in that kid. Uh, yeah. essentially and whatever he does in the future, I would, I would definitely want to help him in some way or work with him in some way. Um, I, I wish I would have got his contact info. I never did. So unfortunately, yeah. so. <laughs> and just circling back to the hardship that you were personally experiencing at the top of the story, you know, it, it feels like the moving into this business was like really kind of, you needed s- s- I mean, you, you really sounded like you were having a really hard time and this yeah. was something to just like grab hold of, I mean, almost like, um, and, and sink your energy into, and kind of like a hail Mary, like, um, yeah, is that, I was, am I, am I connecting dots that aren't there or. Absolutely. I was, I was running away from that previous me. I was running away from that circumstance. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't like a hail, like in my mind, it was, I was sprinting away from that previous me as fast as I possibly could move to a new city, uh, live in a freaking warehouse, uh, shower at the gym. I haven't, I know nobody in Portland. Uh, it's a whole new life. You know, it it was a whole restart and, and like also in a dire straits situation. Um, I bought this business. I had $0 the very first month I had to sell $30,000 in sales or (laughs) I couldn't pay my bills. Um, you know, it was, it's kind of like the movie maze runner, you know, you're like dropped in a situation. Um, and the only way to, uh, get out of that situation is to go explore and move forward. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of how I like to uh, symbolize it best. Um, but yeah, it was, it, this business definitely saved my life. 100%. Um, now, now, I mean, like now I'm a completely different person. I don't even read self-help books anymore or any of that crap. Um, it was a great tool for the time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, it really changed me for sure. Cool. And so after the moment with the kid and some other things, you, you really decide you're going to buy the business. You're going to commit yourself to this business. Can we get into the numbers of that at all? What that acquisition looked like from your grandfather, um, or the or the terms like the, like the structure of it? Was it just like a fully seller finance it was, situation, or it was an or asset what? acquisition? Um, mm-hmm. Basically, I started a new business. We acquired the assets of the old business at fair market mm-hmm. value, um, and I purchased debt from that business to, uh, like. I purchased the debt in lieu of offering money. Like I the owner on the carried debt. the debt. I took on the debt essentially. Yeah. So I had, it may not have been the best way. I honestly didn't know what I was doing. Um, I went and got a sh- 
bunch of one hour consultations from attorneys on like, how do I do this? And I had no clue. I have no business experience or savviness whatsoever. So I was just like trying to pick and pull and find the cheapest way to do it. Um, ended up landing on, you know, owner carry, uh, take on the debt essentially. Um, and do you think in retrospect that that was not the right way to do it? Did you learn something that the audience might benefit from? I think I could have done it much cleaner. Uh, go get a loan, uh, do it that way. Um, don't take on the debt, just buy the, buy the assets. Um, yeah. I, you know, I was, you know, in a way doing my, my grandfather a favor too, um, at the same time, um, in the way I went about it. Uh, yeah, I honestly would have changed the name of the business too. Um, didn't do that. So, um, yeah, I wish, uh, you know, okay. Hindsight. Well, <laughs> yeah, sure. Of course. Of course. Uh, bringing us up now to, um, to now <laughs> yeah. you you're in Austin. So you moved the business down to Austin. Correct. Okay. And was that a business decision or just a life decision? Uh, it was both. So I moved it from Portland to Boise, like a year after I purchased it, Portland sucked for manufacturing business. Um, I had a home in Boise. I had family, I had friends, uh, good ecosystem. All my mentors, all my advisors were over there. Um, yeah. Uh, Boise also not great place for Idaho is a wonderful place. Boise is an amazing place. There's no labor market there. It is absolutely terrible for labor. Um, you know, then I always wanted to move to Austin. Had I had the financial ability, I would have gone straight from Portland to Austin. Just didn't Mm -hmm. have the finances at that point. Um, and then, yeah, so I kind of got bored of being in Idaho. I've spent my whole life there. I started actually like building the Excel sheet of like, what does this look like moving to Austin? And it's honestly, it was like a 20, 25% profit increase. Um, and it would cost $15,000 to move. Like, okay, let's go. Um, for, for the, because of the lack of taxes or all expenses are less or labor expenses are less um, or all of the above taxes. Yes. Uh, we ship mostly to the East coast. So, you know, from Idaho to New York, you're going, 90% across America um, from Texas, you know, you're cutting that in half. So shipping yeah. costs, you know, we spend almost $100,000 a year in shipping. We instantly save thirty, $35,000 in a year uh, in the first yeah. year, which paid for the move in like three months. So, um, and then, you know, insurance was low. I think the only expense that didn't go down was my auto insurance. Mm. Electricity was cheaper. Water was cheaper. Um Internet's cheap. Everything's been cheaper here. Uh, rent actually was even cheaper, uh, believe it or not. Um, I don't think it probably wouldn't be now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but two years ago when I made that move, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I always wanted to be here. And, I, and you know, um, I did meet a girl who, who I'm with now that uh, her name's Ben, um, that uh, I met here on my, like my sixth trip down here. And we were like, we were dating uh, long distance for about nine months uh, before I finally moved down here too. So that definitely accelerated the process. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. So, so where, what's the business look like today? Yeah. So um, we're, we're, we're still sub 1 million. Uh, we're getting there. Uh, we're anywhere from between 35, 50% growth per year. Uh, last year, 2020 was insane growth. Awesome. Um, but I had moved just in March. I had zero employees, zero network down here. I moved a week before COVID happened. Um, 
it was a mess. Sales, sales exploded because everybody's work from home. So they're buying pets. And then, um, yeah, I refunded a lot of money just because of the time it took to fulfill things. Uh, unfortunately, so I didn't get to capitalize as well as I would have liked to on that, uh, you know, the pandemic situation, unfortunately, but, um, so you didn't have any employees when you moved from Boise down to Austin. No, uh, we had built up some inventory. You know, I, I knew I was moving. So we built up some inventory, uh, ran the last month on my own. Um, had some people help me move and that was it. Total, total restart once again, coming down here. Um, yeah. So, so um, a, bi- a business that was doing $250,000 in sales when you started working with it and had seven employees. In fact, you could, you were running it by yourself. Uh, yeah, for a while, actually. Um, until we, till, until we got to about a half a million, um, I was working 16 hours a day, uh, making yeah. things all day. You know, I, you know, I, I, in the very first two years, I built out a really good marketing system uh, that kind of propelled us in Chinchilla for the for, for the first few years to where we didn't have to do any marketing. Um, it was a self-fulfilling kind of uh, system. And so we, I was running off of that and just making stuff all day, manufacturing all day. And so you're the one with your, you're the one doing the manufacturing or you were the one doing the manufacturing yeah. yourself for a while. I listened up like eight hour, eight, nine hours of audiobooks a day and powder coating, welding, shipping, manufacturing. Um, I did have a, you know, I did have a few employees back in Idaho um, off and on. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I really liked the doing it myself um, in the beginning. You know, I paid off all the debt. Um, now that there's not as much debt, definitely, I, I definitely enjoy having employees. <laughs> so how many employees are you up to now? Uh, we're four full-time and two part-time and probably bringing on one or two more here um, over the next couple months. We'll see how end of year goes. Cool. And I don't do much in manufacturing anymore. And you had mentioned, I think that you're, so for the last few years or a couple of years, you've been in Chinchilla only and now you're, you're re-expanding back out into some of the adjacent pet markets. Yeah. It's kind of terrifying, but yes. Um, yeah, pretty excited actually. We we we've, we've got rabbit go, rabbit product line like partially going. We're just introducing little tiny products here and there. Um, you know, my goal is my plan is basically you know throwing a couple of products into rabbit, uh, start doing lead acquisition, getting a email list going, getting some social media going on the, on the rabbit side, and then you know it's building a new business. You know, it's building a new business. Uh, from the ground up with each animal um, and trying to keep it separate, line it out in the, in the bookkeeping and everything, keeping it, trying to keep it as a separate uh, product line, essentially. Yeah. 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 Cool. So it's, it'll be a slow process, but um, yeah, pretty excited trying to make it so that our, we're doing 100% bespoke custom. Um, it's gonna be very difficult on the manufacturing side and the communication with the customer side um, but I think we've got some cool tools developing that'll really in development that'll really help with that. Pretty excited about it, actually. So your customers will be able to design a cage themselves, a completely yeah. custom cage. Yeah. So a lot like you, you can design a car on you know car mm-hmm. manufacturers' websites. You'll be able to come on to qualitycage.com. Um, okay, what animal do I have? Chichilla, rabbit, ferret, guinea pig, whatever. Select that one, and it'll bring you up to this cage builder. 
essentially. Um, well, you'll have the option to see accessory products and then, hey, I can build my own cage. Cool. And mm -hmm. so it'll actually be a 3D graphical automated rendering system where you move some sliders, click some buttons, and you get to design your own package essentially for your for your pet, for your chinchilla or your rabbit. That's awesome. That I imagine that's going to be really cool. So um, it sounds like you're a, basically a DDC brand. Is that right? Direct to consumer on Shopify, or do you yeah. actually sell to pet st pet stores as well? I tried the whole pet store thing, man. Uh, pain in the butt. Uh, I wanted it to work. I really did. Um, but for the amount of work they create and the amount of margin they want to take, it just, I'd rather work with my, with my customer. Um, yeah. I'd rather work with uh, a chinchilla owner and make their day, um, you know, have the full margin, um, but then also include some cool stuff that they didn't actually expect uh, in those orders and really take care of them. You know, I'd rather have somebody who's going to like talk good about us where, you know, a pet store, if they, somebody comes in at a lower price with a similar solution, they're just going to jump. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, th I think it's an outdated model to be honest, but it, it has its place. <laughs> Josh, before I let you go, just a couple of questions about manufacturing, because you you see on the business listing sites, you'll see niche manufacturing companies yeah. for sale. And, you know, as somebody who has no knowledge, no experience in manufacturing, I, I immediately just pass those because it just seems like too too much to learn. It's intimidating. But here, here you know, you're yeah, but you learned it, although you said you were always like you had an aptitude for it going back to high school. I mean, you've been a tinkerer. Um, but you learned a lot of it, you know, on the job, as it were, or in the seat. So yeah. um, wh what do you, what would you say to somebody who wants to buy a business but doesn't have experience in, in manufacturing or niche manufacturing? Would you encourage them? Or would you say, yeah, maybe don't look at, it. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe <laughs> you aren't the right fit. Like t talk, talk to us just generally about uh, the, the prospect of buying an, an, a niche manufacturing business. I would say it's a, it, it, what's that term? Hell yes or no. Um, yeah. I would say you need the hell yes. Um, otherwise yeah. it's a no, because it's really freaking hard. What, what, what's difficult about it? Just the moving you know, pieces. If you have the funds to like acquire it, put in an operator and find, and, and, you know, find an operator who's done it before. Yeah. You know, you, you, you've got an option there. Um, incentivize them. Right. Uh, cause this shit is hard. <laughs> um, I, I, it's very, very hard. If you want to learn it yourself, it's a long route. You know, any, not to put down marketing, but anybody can learn marketing in a year. Um, manufacturing is something, uh, you know, I've been in this business for seven years and there's still something new that comes up all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. Some kind of supply chain issue that comes up that, uh, you know, that's the only supplier available. So what mm -hmm. do we do? We have to either redesign the product completely ground up or we have to make that component ourselves. Um, both of those are incredibly difficult um, to do and expensive. Um, you've got a lot of costs into it. Uh, there's a lot of different trades. There's powder coating, there's welding, there's uh, CNC. There, I mean, in, in, every manufacturer is different, completely different, in fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there is no cookie cutter thing for manufacturing. Um, uh, it, it's, it's a lot of businesses all rolled into one, essentially is kind of mm -hmm. how I like to put it. And we, we even do our own fulfillment in-house. We make our own boxes, uh, for, for products. Like that's how far I've had to go to 
get this to be profitable um, at this at this small scale so that we can begin to start to grow the business. Um, outsourcing all the things that were being outsourced was not, it, it didn't work. We, we outsourced mm-hmm. powder coating for quite a while and I had nothing but issues, nothing but supply chain issues, nothing but surprise costs because, you know, I send a hundred units to this uh, powder coater and 87 of them come back all effed up. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, we had no control over that. Um, some, some people make outsourcing work great in their manufacturing plants. I have not been able to whatsoever. Um, and so you like, that's the hardest part is you gotta be willing to bite the bullet and do things yourself. I mean, that, I mean, that, that's kind of what America was built on, to be honest, though. Um, like you gotta be willing to do the hard shit. Um, otherwise you're going to fail to put it simply. Um, and it, you know, I still work in the business, so I don't know about the whole sit back and be investor side of things. Um, I like being an operator. Um, I, you know, so I don't have the investor perspective of it. I like the operator perspective of it, but being the operator of a manufacturing business like this is very difficult. Um, a lot of long hours, um, hard to find good people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm glad I was single when I was going through all of it because I was working 16 hours a day, um, and was able to, um, and doing nothing else. Um, and that, that's what it took to, for me with, you know, $0 to my name from beginning, uh, to getting it to where, you know, it's at now and, you know, it's profitable, it's growing and it's been a long road. There's a lot of things. Um, I, you know, I could probably do it again in a year. What I did in seven years, I could I w- probably do it again. In I was a year. just going to ask you that, Josh, because I think that I found you on. Uh, it was a tweet of yours that said exactly that. It was like, it was exactly that. If I, I, it's taken me seven years to get where I am, but you know, if I knew now what I knew then, I could have done all of this in a year. Are there yeah. one or two things that you can point to that others might benefit from? Know your pricing. That's number one. Know your pricing. Know what kind of margin you want at the end and set your pricing to that. And then from there, you know, systemize your business, you know, go from, you know, set your pricing to your current operation right now, set your pricing to whatever 30% profit, and then go to your business operations and start to fine tune those, get it to 30%, get it to 40% profit without raising prices again. And then, you know, you can go, a couple routes you can start decreasing your prices um retain your prices and you know take the money out whatever you want to do um that's number one that was absolutely <laughs> um so that was just as simple like you could have just simply raised your prices and then yeah the stroke, the stroke of a pen you could have kind of changed your destiny a little bit earlier. I could have probably erased two years of torment of myself by just raising my prices day one. Um, and how did you finally, you know, this is classic, you know, everybody's scared to raise their prices. Every entrepreneur makes this mistake. Yeah. Everyone undervalues what they're selling. <laughs> how did you finally um, get the confidence to do it? Um, Were you just like, this business isn't going to work if I don't raise these prices. So let me try or... Or did, to a be coach honest, be, did a coach tell you like, dude, just raise your price as simple as that? No, to be honest, it was like, it was something in my mind for six, seven, eight, nine months. I was like, no, let's just get better at manufacturing. And then um, 
not raise our prices. Let's get better at manufacturing or raise our profitability that way. Um, all like I fought that for like six months, and then finally, I think I, I think I was drunk one weekend. It was like, screw it, I'm just <laughs> gonna raise the, all the prices twenty percent. Um, and yeah, you know, there was a little backlash, a uh, little negativity toward it, but those are the type of people who are going to ask for discounts all day long yeah. anyways. Um, not my customer, you know, at yeah. that, in the beginning, everybody was my customer. I needed the money. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, I was wanting to grow revenue. Revenue is kind of a vanity metric, uh, to be honest, the profits, all that matters. Uh, right. well, customer satisfaction is more important, but, um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, Josh, if uh, if people want to get a hold of you to ask you questions about niche manufacturing or um, buying your business, buying a business from your grandfather, how can they do that? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, grandfather passed a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, Twitter's uh, kind of my favorite avenue. I've always been on it, but never utilized it lately. It's been really fun. Uh, mm -hmm. My uh, tag or username or whatever is Amagi, A-M-A-G-I, Josh on there. Amagi Josh. Um, okay. Yeah, I kind of, I, I, I limit myself to it, but it's, it's a, it's a pretty fun place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For small, the small business community on there is just so awesome. Yeah. DMs are open. Uh, absolutely willing to offer advice in manufacturing or anybody who's acquiring a business and feels over their head. Um, it's very stressful. So yeah. I'm absolutely totally open to people messaging. Cool, Josh. And the URL of the business is qualitycage.com. That'll be in right. the show notes, but I just wanted to plug that. Sir, thank you for, cool. for being so transparent about your story. Uh, the, absolutely. The, especially the down bits, but uh, the up the, the up ones as well. It's really it's really an inspiring story and quite a um, quite a trajectory from where you started to, to where thank it's you. at now. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, cool. thanks for having well, me thanks, on. Thanks, Josh. It's been fun. All right. All right.